Thank you, thank you, thank you, Janet Lee. <clears throat> and wow, what a job you did on playing a bunch of songs that I've written some time ago. And, of course, that's only a part of them. I've written over 100 songs. Some of you people that might be interested, uh, you can get some of the Christmas-type songs that I've written that uh, they're, you know, of course, uh, Christian. And uh, they're on the YouTube. Um, uh, my my name is Jerry O. Lee, but uh, I've, I've put them under Jerry Lee Olin, O-L-E-N, Jerry Lee Olin. So you can find them that way. And thank you again, Janet. And hello, everybody. Here we are again today, November the 24th, 2013, on a Sunday. And today, we're continuing with the Analog with Angels, Part 21, and imbued into the words of this teaching, a repeat memory of the Bible's promise so that every time that you're listening to this message, you, you, will, you will get this restoration and this word. And it is a promise from the Bible, from the Word of God. And this is what I want you to hear. This is what came to me that was to be uh, for this imbuement. I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. And as you, this word is going forth and being ministered, that theme is going throughout those words. I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. There's so many sick people. There's so many people that are suffering that just need the deliverance of the hand of God. And that message has got to get out there because God is love and God wants to heal you. He loves you. He wants to restore your, your vitality. He wants to restore your health. He wants to give you a vigorous life. Hear this word. I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. We have an opening verse that is just phenomenal verse that I want to share with you out of Isaiah, the 45th chapter. And I want you to really get into this because, you know, people say, why are you going into all of this business about the fringes and the stars and and uh, the ziths that some people call UFOs? And you know why is that needed? All you know, all we need to do is is you know just about Jesus. You know that's all we need. Well, that's what you've been told. But you see, knowing about Jesus is far greater volume of, of knowledge than uh, can even almost be imagined. Because when the Bible says, you know, if all the things were written that should be written, that it would be so vast that the world could hardly contain it or even comprehend it. And, and, and that's about the story of Jesus. When you read the book of Revelations, you know, it says this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. All the book of Revelation that includes the, the angels preaching the everlasting gospel as they fly the ziths in the sky. All the revelation of Jesus includes the mark of the beast. And, and that's what people have just not understood. They think that, you know, they want to get into that, that, that simplex. All we need to know is the name of Jesus. 
Well, you know, the people that think they know the name of Jesus don't even know that. You know, in the days of Jesus, J's weren't even created yet. And, you know, if you would have went in that day of Jesus, if you would have said, oh, Jesus, could I talk with you? Uh, people wouldn't even know what you were talking about. They wouldn't even recognize that name. You know, they would have understood Yahshua and some of those names. And so, you know, this thing of the language is, is quite very interesting. Uh, a lot of the Bible has not been known because, you know, uh, of what, what has happened that uh, people are just plain not aware of. Uh, pe people are, are not aware that there was a change that happened in the languages. And because of that, they, you know, they are, they are missing out on understanding exactly what all that God is um, messaging and what he is speaking and what he is, he is giving to, you know, the, 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 the people of God that really want to know the word of God. And that this is so very, very, very important. And, um, and we want to, you know, we want to share all this with you. But uh, there is so much volume of things to say and things to teach that we'll just have to teach it to you as we can. But here's what this verse says. This is incredible. Isaiah 45, starting with verse 11. Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and his Maker, Ask me of things to come concerning my sons. Now, you know what that's talking about. There's that which was, there's that which is, and there's that which is to come. In Revelations 1.14, God spoke to John, the revelator, and he says, I want you to write these things, that which was, that which is, and that which is to come. The things that I have shown you, that without a, you know, without a vision you're going to perish, John, but with these things you've seen, and I'm going to show you more. Come on, come up hither. Come up higher. Come up to the mountain. Come up to this spiritual place. Come up to the gate of God. I'll show you more. Well, a lot of people are just not aware of verses like this. But here's what God is saying. He says, ask of me of things to come. He's, he's saying, he, I want you to know about the future. I want you to know these things. It's my will. And if you're not asking about the future, then you're not asking about the things that God has said that he wants you to, to ask about. And he says, I want you to, to ask concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. Now, we know that in the book of Psalms, it talks about the handiwork, hand, H-A-N-D, handiwork of God. It speaks about the stars. It's, it speaks about the heavens that, that God has made. And that's what God is saying. I want you to ask me. I want you to ask me about these things. You know, let's just, let's just read that verse. You know, because it's, it's, quite, it's quite beautiful, you know.
And um, it's exciting. Okay, so um, here we go. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. He has set in them a tabernacle for the sun. There's a tabernacle for the light of God, for the manifested word. It's been set there. There, there is no speech nor language where the voice of God's handiwork has not been uttered. Whether it's day, whether it's night, whether it's here, whether it's there. And this verse that I'm reading to you says, Ask of me the things to come concerning the sons and concerning the work of my hands. And, and now get a hold of this one because this is incredible. Ask of me things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. Command you me. Command ye me. This is how serious it is. He's saying, this isn't just a misty word. This is a serious word. And I have given you the right by commandment to know these things. I've given you the right by my commandment to ask of me and to know these things of the future and these things which are about the work of my hand. Wow. Some people say, well, it's just above my knowledge. It's just just too much for me. Well, verse 8 of chapter 45 says, Drop down, ye heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open, and let them bring forth salvation, and let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Now let's go back up to 11. Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and the Maker, Ask of me, ask, ask me of the things to come concerning my sons. When you get into the the sonship, you get into the firstborn revelation. You get into that which was. You get into the, it'll bring you into the revelations, the book of Revelations, chapter 12, the fall of the angels. It'll bring you into the revelation of Jesus Christ. You get into that, you get into that knot. If you get into that knot where you think that Jesus Christ is, is just, you know, a word or two, and that's the end of the revelation, You're out of orbit. You're, you're, not, you're not connected. You're not aligned with what God is really saying. He says, I want you to ask me the, the future things, and I want you to command me about the works of my hands. And now verse 12, I have made the earth. I want you to know about everything there and created man upon it. I want you to know about that. And even my hands have stretched out the heavens. My hands have stretched out down. I want you to, I want you to command me concerning, concerning the work of my hands. I want you to command me. My hands stretched out the heavens. I want you to know about it. I want you to know about the work of my hands. And like the scripture I read to you in, in Psalms 19, 
His, his mystery, his voice, his revelation is everywhere. He wants you to know about it. And it says, and it's beautiful, and all their host have I commanded. And this is talking about the angels, the host of the angels. And I, I just, I, I, I know that, you know, that word host can refer to stars, but, it, but in several places in the Bible, it refers to angels. And in this place, as it's already mentioned, the heavens, the next thing is the angels. And, you know, God is speaking to you this morning on that. He's speaking to you this morning. Wow. Blessed be the name of the living God. Okay, let's talk some more about this kind of stuff. It's important. Okay, now, when we, uh, we start getting into some of these things that we've been teaching, you know, people, people, you know, what I've had people say to me is you've got scripture all for all of that. That's what amazes us. A lot of other people, they quote other books and they quote, you know, uh, even mythology. But, but you've got scripture, scripture I've never heard before. Just like this verse, these verses I've just read to you. It's a commandment. God has given you a commandment to know these things. It's the word of God. Blessed be the name of God. Now, Revelations 1, 19 through 20 talks about the angels of the seven churches. And there is so much confusion about that. Because as taught in the, the standard uh, teachings of Christian religiosity, they just think those seven angels rep represent seven uh, pastors or ministers. And hey, if you want to say that, that's okay. You still can't take away from the fact that angels are named. And so what you begin to understand is that they're there are angels, and we say angels manifold because it's a, it's a plural of angels. Because just as we get into different plurals with different words, it certainly works the same way with angels in the, in the Greek and in, and in the uh, Hebrew. Okay, so the seven angels of the seven churches. Very, very important. And... What is it that God wants us to know about that? Well, even the word astronomy, that comes from the Greek word astron, A-S-T-R-O-N, which means star or stars. It's both singular and plural. So most of the time when you are looking at the word star in the Bible, it's coming from a word that can be either singular or plural. And then, as you connect and you're looking to that, uh, these stars, when we're talking the plurality, uh, can represent the cosmos, which is the universe. So, all you have to do to verify some of this is look at Strong's Greek Dictionary. Strong's Concordance Greek Dictionary, number 792. And it will show you that the word that the that 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 the word astron equals star or stars, and then it comes from a base, and this is very interesting. 
because this is where you really get some corroboration uh, of fact. The base is 4766. We're in the Greek dictionary. So 4766, and it means as strolling over the sky, spread as a carpet. So that 4766 can mean a carpet of stars. And we are therefore talking about the cosmos. We are therefore talking about the universe. So when we talk about the seven stars that it talks about in the book of Revelation, we are showing that those seven stars represent seven past or former universes. And we know then by the very word, because it's very clear there in the word, that one star can represent a constellation or a cosmos or a, the universe. And I think it's very, very neat because, you know, just so many, many things. Like if you look at, in the Greek, at, uh, I'm pretty sure it was the Greek, the 5459, yeah, it was the Greek. Uh, that means phosphorus. And it's about stars. It's talking about a phosphorus like a star. But the interesting thing is, is when the Shekinah glory came down one time in our business and home, because we lived above the business, and we turned phosphorus white. Well, that is a sign of the morning star destiny. And the Bible says, you know, uh, to those that overcome, I'll give you the morning star. Wow. There, there is, is so much. Um, you know, you know, just take a look at that 5459 and 5457 and 5342. And see how that there's neat things about the the rays and the shining and and all those kind of things. Last week we we talked about the the hexagon on the Saturn, but we're trying to show people where things really are because they don't many of them understand. For instance, we're trying trying to show people that. What happened in the Garden of Eden was a choice that, that ended up occurring. When Eve partook of the tree of good and evil, that was a choice. There was two trees there. And like the, the Lord told Moses, and he referred to his people, choose you this day who you will serve. There was a choice. Now, God knows the intention, and he always understands whether a person's full intention is to not serve him or that it's just a person's curiosity that's getting them in trouble as it was with Eve. But nevertheless, there was something that did happen and there was two trees, the tree of good and evil knowledge versus the tree of life. So what was chosen? The tree of good and evil knowledge. So today, in all the world and, and, and has been for you know, you might say almost since the fall of the angels, there's been a choice. And so everything that that choice is coming from is this tree of knowledge. And there's good on that tree of knowledge and there's evil on that tree of knowledge because it is a tree of good and evil. So when we are looking at the mark of the beast, uh, let's just say that, let's just say the number 666. 
we've showed you that there is an evil side to that. But we also have showed you that there is a good side to that. And you have to choose which side of that that you want to take. Because if you just think it's evil and you just decide that that's evil and, and I'm staying away from that, you end up losing out on the great divide. The part of the tree of, of, of good and evil that is good. Because that's where we are in the world. That's why there's a counterbalance. That's why even the little story of on one shoulder is the good angel, on the other shoulder is the bad angel. And one speaking into one ear, the other one speaking in the other ear, because that tree of good and evil, that opportunity of choosing good or evil, is there. And when the children of Israel were marched between these two mountains, there was a group that was chosen by Moses to be saying the curses on the one mountain. On the other mountain, there was a group chosen to say the blessings. So that we see that when the first first ark of the covenant, uh, or we'll call it the first law, let's just say the first law, first set of laws was made, the Ten Commandments. Those were, the, were from the tree of good, from the tree of good. But also involved in that, but it was not magnified, it was not visible for people to see, was the tree of evil or the, or, or the, the curses. On that same tree was, were, were the curses that was, was also the blessings. But the blessings came to the forefront. But then when the people sinned again, and Moses came down and saw that they had made the golden calf, and that was such a serious symbol to, to have done what they did with it, because the calf, the ox, represents the whole revelation of the thousand years. And that's what the, what the, the, the name ox represents, is a thousand years. And that has to do with the whole revelation of the good side that is to happen, of the, of, of the thousand years millennial. But at the same time, there is a thousand years millennial. There's the thousand years that Satan is bound up, but he's bound up in his own prison, the Bible says. It's his own prison. And in that prison, he turns it into a manufacturing. And I've taught you this. I've showed you the scriptures and revelations. And it becomes an incredible thing. And we'll touch on that if we can get the time here some more because it's all part of this teaching. And so you've got... The Bible that was meant, or the law, 10 laws that, that are in the Bible that was meant to be the blessings. And we only now have two of those. One is to, you know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. To love, second, love the, your neighbor as yourself. But the Bible promises in Isaiah 42, 21. He says that he's going to magnify the law and make the law to become honorable. Do you know that scripture was there? I've read it to you before. Isaiah 42, 21. The, the law is not honorable, those, that, those Ten Commandments. Only the, the first two verses are honorable, but as a whole compound. 
It's not honorable. But when God magnifies the other blessings, in addition to the first two blessings, then it's going to be honorable. Will that do away with, with the, the curses? No. They will still be there, but they will be invisible and not be able to be seen because now the good laws will have been made man, magnified. They will have been magnified, and that will make the law honorable. And, of course, there's a whole teaching I do on this. I can't tell you the whole of the whole in just a few words. And so, back to the, the seven, uh, the seven uh, uh, candles and, and the seven stars. Uh, we've, got, you've, we've got the seven uh, candles, uh, you know, like we're talking Revelations 1 and 19 through 20 and some of those scriptures. And the seven candles, the Bible says, represent the seven churches because this represents the seven physical churches. And those seven physical churches represent the seven angels, which are represented by the seven stars. And the seven stars, by the scriptures I just gave you, represent the seven universes. And it just all ties one into another. It's just so extremely, very, very important as we come to the understanding of this tree of life and 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 uh, and as versus the tree of good and evil is so very very important now the other day i was sitting down as we talked about this thing the the hexagon that has been put on on saturn of course the very name saturn could be a, an abbreviation for satan the first three letters but as we get into this thing of the hexagon with the 60 base num numerable, numeral system or number system, uh, if you take and draw the cross, put down a line, make it long, don't make it a little short thing, make it a long line, and then put a transom, that's the crossbar. And you've got the cross. It's the crossbar. It's not just a pole, you've got a cross. Now, if you take the first triangular or pyramidal aspect of, the of one part of the star uh, uh, of the hexagon, and you bring the two lines up at an angle so that they come to the, to the, uh, just, just above the top point of, of the, the vertical pole of the star, and that's up above, then, the crossbar. And then you bring those two lines, lines down at the slant. And then you bring a line horizontally across so that you have your first pyramid. So now inside of that pyramid, you've got, you got the long vertical pole, so to speak, or, or, or cross, cross part, uh, the vertical part of the cross. Now, you also have that arm, that transom that goes across at the top. Right there where that transom is, is the reversed part of the star, 
where the bottom is up at the top and then the point comes down to the bottom. So right where that crossbar is, you draw the line across for the bottom part of the next pyramid that is inverted. And then you bring that line down from each of the ends of that cross that you've made there, uh, down, which is right, right on the crossbar, bring that down to a point to the very bottom of the, uh, of the vertical pole of the cross. And what you end up there is very interesting. Now, the one part I haven't mentioned is what a lot of people don't understand is when we take that, that first upright vertical pyramid and we take the, the lines to the top of the pole and we bring that down at this angle, then we come across it and get that, that base on it. Right there where you put the base is literally what has uh, been called um, the footrest, because there was a footrest on the cross. They, they usually had to put footrests on the cross, because if you didn't, the, the, the nails uh, just couldn't hold the, the, the body. Uh, the skin would tear under the weight. And so you have it. You've got the base that's inverted going across where the arm bar is, you got the base from the upright vertic uh, uh, vertical um, uh, pyramidal triangle going across at the base where the rest foot is. And so you've got the hexagon star, or called the Star of David. Now, this same Star of David is used in witchcraft. It's used in all kinds of things, like I mentioned the hexagon and, 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 and how that that's connected with Satan. But it's also used by the Jews as their flag because they recognize it as a spiritual thing. It's called the Star of David. And what I've heard lots of people say, oh, the, the Jews are all wrong. They've got it all wrong. They're using this witchcraft symbol. What's the matter with them? No, they got it right. And this is what people haven't understood. They haven't understood the tree of, of good and evil. You've got both there. You, you've got this sign. It's, it, it could be a beautiful thing, or you could make it a wicked, evil thing. And so when you just start making everything evil, then you start eradicating, you start eradicating the revelation of the good that belongs also to that tree. And remember, both the tree of life and the tree of good and evil both grew out of the ground. You have to understand, there, there was a, a physical revelation. There was a physical thing that happened that had incredible energy and incredible revelation, both for the, that tree of life that grew up out of the ground and for that tree of good and evil that grew up out of the ground. And they were both placed in the midst of the garden, which was between the garden east and the garden west. It is nothing to be silly about. Now, people don't understand, like, for instance, the word, the church, the, the Greek word, ekklesia, ekklesia. 
it means, like in 1577 of the Greek Concordance of Strong's, a religious congregation. Or from the word that is the space, 1537, it can represent a heavenly um, a situation. It can represent saints in heaven. And there are other connections that it can represent. So when we talk about the church, the real meaning of that ecclesia is not the building, not the cathedral, but the people. And of course, it is the people who are now the fallen angels. And so if you take the one side of it in the physical sense, like you've got these seven physical churches, they physically represent, as a pattern, things on earth that represent things in heaven. So those people represent angels, of which the Bible says that in that day, in the resurrection, that the that the that the angels that fell or the the people will become equal with angels again. Those that have fallen will become equal again. Equal, which means they will regain their status. Okay, we're going to take a break. God bless you, Janet Lee. More songs of Jerry Lee. And so, uh, what we've got to do is give just a little teeny bit more time. I might have jumped the wagon here. But uh, we've got some uh, really, really neat songs for you to listen to. Uh, eventually, we want to give you the, the names of them. And we want to give you more information uh, on, on, on what you need to do. To to uh, get the information to get the information about what these songs are and who had written them, so Janet will just start playing whenever she's ready, and uh, we'll know that uh, got everything together and going.
Once again, thank you, Janet Lee. I love your playing, love your spiritual addendum that you add to every song. And those, ladies and gentlemen, were all songs that I've written. And uh, we're going to have some more of those at the end of the message. There, that will still only amount to just a very few of over 100 songs that I've written. And uh, doesn't include, uh, you know, some other concert-like things that I'm doing. But um, I, I guess I love music because music is sort of like a universal language. All right. So we were talking about the cross, and we were talking about this thing of the church and the pastors. Um, let's f uh, just go over one thing again on this about the cross, how that we can, with very simple uh, lines, show how that within the form of the cross uh, you can make uh, this hexagon. And someone will say, oh, I just think that's a horrible thing what you're doing. And, you know, your turn, use an hexagon, that's cursed thing and using it well once again you are just not understanding the bible you are just not understanding what's going on about the tree of of good and evil and and uh and you're you're saying this thing about the curse you know well the bible says cursed is everyone that hangs upon a tree the cross was considered from a tree and 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 anyone that knows the bible knows that that you know jesus took on the curse and but by taking on the curse, he turned it, inverted it into a marvelous act of salvation. That connected with his resurrection was the key to eternal life. And so uh, when we understand that on the cross was both the curse and the blessing, and that's the way it is throughout everything on earth because we are now under that whole Genesis action of which had to do with you know, the tree of good and the tree that is of good and evil. It's in that same tree. It's in that same rudiment. It's in that same sphere. It's in that same longitude, latitude, uh, dimension of the life that we are living. Okay. Then we get back to this point that we were making about, um, you know, that uh, so some, some scholars translate you know, angels into being pastors, P-A-S-T-O-R-S, of the churches. And, of course, the church is a, the pastor is a human, and then they are, they are the leaders over their congregations, which is a group of people. So now, if you keep the, the King James mention of the angel over each of the churches, because there was certainly a, a reason that that was done, it's because that that was a very, very important uh, a part of the revelation uh, that had to do with a pattern of the heavens. And that pattern of the heavens moved it up to a greater uh, physical, um, uh, but higher and more momentous physical representation or pattern, which was then the pattern of the stars that are in the skies of the heavens. And so then we take those stars that are in the, the skies, you know, and we, we, we recognize that in the Bible, especially uh, in many of the books, but, but may, for, for sure, like the book of Revelation uh, is um, so, so absolutely, you know, positive about it. Uh, it talks about uh, a star 
comes down from heaven to the earth, and uh, and then uh, it 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 ends up turning into uh, you know a, a person. Uh, that was that happened in the ninth chapter, and then there's uh, other chapters that ha- that happened in uh, when a star comes to to the earth, and then you know the the star uh, falls to earth, but it be- it becomes a, a human. It becomes uh, or an angel, it, you know, it 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 uh, uh, generally uh, is clear that this star is represent representative, and uh, and um, uh, it, there's many many scriptures. I've read them to you. We can't go over it again. We don't have the time. But many scriptures to show that the stars can represent uh, and do represent angels. And so now we have the seven stars, and then we take it to the higher next uh, level, uh, you know, of representation, and the and the st- stars uh, become seven spirits, and uh, and uh, once we get into that revelation, uh, we are moving at a momentous uh, speed uh, in into in a very uh, a beautiful uh, insight. Like, uh, for instance, uh, Revelations 4 or 5 uh, gives us the revelation of the seven spirits of God. And, uh, and so that is, you know, um, what is then represented in, as you get into the, the, the hundredfold revelation. Uh, because you've got the, the thirtyfold of, the, of the, the pastor in the church. Then you've got the sixtyfold of, of, the, of the physical stars. Uh, that, that represent angels, and then you got the hundredfold that those angels represent seven spirits of God manifold, so that each spirit is a plural spirit representing all of the angels that overcame in that one universe, and you have seven of those universes. And so it's, it's just interesting. It's just interesting, and it's just real. And, and so, so uh, those seven congregations represent uh, seven uh, stars uh, uh, that are that represent seven angel groups those seven angel groups represent you know uh, seven universes which of which they overcame in and became what they are uh, it's just uh, exciting and uh, it's it's deep and it's taking us into this wider uh, uh, plane of understanding uh, you know and and we, we we came to understand that there's some things that are not written that we're still to know about, like Revelation seventeen eight says there's names not written uh, from the foundation of the world, uh, you know, not written, and that word world means cosmos, and uh, you know uh, we we are to to understand that, uh, and that's also in Revelations thirteen eight, so. Uh, we got to keep rolling here uh, because there's just so much to cover. But one of the things it says in Psalms 147.4, he telleth the number of the stars. Uh, did he tell it to you? Do you know about that? Well, he certainly has revealed it in this ministry about the number of the stars. We have the number of the, the trillion stars. Uh, you know how many ministries out there uh, have a revelation of the number of the stars. Most of them just say it's impossible. But no, nothing is impossible with God. Jesus taught us that. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about the Queen of Babylon because uh, we didn't get to finish about the the Queen of Babylon last week and and uh, and the woman that rides uh, the beast. Uh, 
Um, you know, well, one of the things that I did share with you, though, is uh, some of the of the aspects about uh, where the woman sits. Uh, you know, we've got the woman sits on many waters. Uh, Revelation 17.1 and Revelation 17.15. Um, we've got um, that um, the, the woman sits on the scarlet uh, 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 colored um, a beast, uh, Revelation 17, 3. Uh, we've got the woman sits on seven mountains, which are seven heads, Revelation 17, 9. And if that's uh, all the sitting that you think is in there, well, no, you would be wrong on that. There are three kinds of, of sittings uh, that, that the woman is, sits on, uh, but let me read you another one. Uh, in Revelations 18, 7, uh, it says, She, speaking about the queen of Babylon, has said in her heart, I sit a queen. So now she sits a queen. She sits on many waters as a queen. She sits on the scarlet-colored beast as a queen. She sits on the seven mountains as a queen. And, and the Bible says, The woman is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. So she, she's a queen. So the woman is that great city. Now we're, we're beginning to be able to see, you know, when it talks about that these seven mountains represent a, a city. Uh, well, I mean, it's, and they represent these heads, which there's going to be these different kings of that city. But we see that the plan is, in this aspect of it, at this point, that the queen is the one who's reigning. She is sitting as the queen of Babylon. And so she, number one, she sits, sits, S-I-T-S, many waters. Um, Revelation 17, 15 says that the waters represent people, nations, tongues, and kindred. Revelation 17, 50. So 17, 1, she sits on the many waters. She sits as commander, as queen of the many nations, many languages, many people. Okay, now, she sits on the scarlet-colored beast. And in the end, the scarlet-colored beast really hates her. But in the, in the meanwhile, before he can do much about it, she is sitting queen, and she is in charge. Okay, now, the Bible says that there's going to come a time when Babylon is fallen, that great city. Now, we're talking about that the woman is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. But Babylon is going to, is going to fall, and it says because she, S-H-E, so this thing with Babylon, this great city, is called a she, which is obviously referring to the queen. She, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, Revelations 14.8. And then the name of the great city is Babylon. And she And the great city Babylon, 
was divided into three parts. Revelation sixteen nineteen. Here is the mind that has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Revelation seventeen nine. Again, all nations have drunk of her wine and committed a foreign and committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are made rich through the abundance of her her delicacies. All nations have drunk of her wine and committed a fornic- and committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are made rich through the abundance of her delicacies. She's not only calls herself a queen, she says, I sit a queen, but she considers herself a mother, and the Bible says that she is. She's the mother of harlots. Now, <laughs> this queen is not just something of no account. There's a major revelation here. In the past, I have done teachings. I certainly can't repeat all that today, but on on Astoreth. And um, when um, you begin to learn uh, something very, very important, um, the Bible tells us, and, um, and perhaps I'll uh, get to the point that I can read you where that scripture is, but the Bible tells us that in Genesis, that when the power of God came down, these angels that said, let us go down and see what's going on. And they caused the languages to be confounded. Then what happened at that time, what happened at that time was that when they confounded the languages, is that it changed the spelling from gate of God that it used to mean when, uh, to Babel. But before the languages were confounded, Babel was not called Babel. It was called the gate of God. But when the language, the Bible says, was confounded, it changed the spelling and the meaning of a lot of the words from that time on. So then what you end up getting is all these different dialects, all these different languages, and every dialect and language has a different contribution to the spelling and the enunciation and the meaning of the word. And so people get so confused. They, they, they say, oh, there's nothing written in the Bible about Mars, or there's nothing written in the Bible about uh, the queen of this or the queen. And they don't understand that there are a lot of things written in the Bible, but it uses these other words from other languages, other nations, other dialects. But once you get into the, the linguistics of it, and you begin to understand and keeping in mind that once that the, the earth was confounded, that it changed the language. So you have to go back in time to get the real meaning and then to go forward 
to see what happened because now when that language was confounded, there were some individuals that got a blessing at that time. But there were other individuals that got a curse at that time. Same with certain nations. And that's ongoing and it's still happening. And this linguistic thing is so important. So you've got Astoreth. That is spelt a number of different ways. It could be A-S-H. It could be A-S-T-O-R-E-T-H. Or it could be A-S-T-A-R-E-T-H. Originally, I'm sure that it was A-S-T-A-R-E-T-H because that spells a star. A starith, which very much ties into the, the, the Bible things that teach that this queen of Babylon, Astarith, who was the wife of Nimrod, check out Deuteronomy 1.4 and look up Hebrews Strong's 62.52. And you can find the name Astoreth, where sometimes the name's modified a little bit and it's the name of a, of a, of, of, of a city or the name of a nation or so forth. And there's all these different spellings. It could be a, a Ashtoreth or Ashtoreth. And there's all these different spellings which you can find in First Kings eleven five and thirty three and Second Kings twenty three and thirteen and Genesis fourteen and five and again the number uh, six fifty two and sixty two fifty five. Now Nimrod was the grandson of Noah on the Ham side of the sons of Noah and. Cush was the father of Nimrod, but his name also is interpreted in other languages to mean Bel, which has a connection to Baal, B-A-A-L, the sun god. But Kim, uh, uh, Nimrod also took on that name, Baal. And so was the queen Astoreth connected with that, who was called the Queen of Heaven. Now, I've done quite a bit of teaching on this, but I've never ever had the time to really go extensively on the subject. But there are so many things that are, are worth uh, you know, getting into and understanding. I did some teachings on um, the Laodicea, and a very interesting long teaching on that, uh, not talking about the church uh, uh, in Revelations 3.14, although there is a, 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 a slight connection there, but talking about uh, the ancient city in Western Asia, Minor, uh, which is in present, uh, present um, uh, Turkey. Uh, so uh, that is very, very, very important, uh, that teaching, because, you know, like it actually connects to the... To, uh, to the um, I call them the Nickelodeons. Uh, I I think of it a song I used to sing about the Nickelodeon, <laughs> which is a funny song. But um, uh, 
it it actually connects even to the the uh, uh, if you really follow the the, the Greek roots uh, to Laodicea, and and you know the the Nicolaitans were said to be hated by God that their doctrine was hated, you know. And uh, so there's things that go into the church. The Bible tells us in Revelations that, that in, in this certain church that Satan had his seat. He had his seat in, in that church. And uh, there was going to have to be something done with it, you know. And so, um, okay, here are some scriptures you can look up. I don't have the time to tell them about, tell you, or to read them. But they're about this thing with Ashtoreth. Um, Jeremiah 51, 7, verse 13, verse 24, verse 25, verse 41, verse 44, verse 49. Again, Jeremiah 51, verses 7, 13, 24, 25, 41, 44, 49. Jeremiah 7, 18. Jeremiah 44, 17, 18, 19. Jeremiah 44, 25. Hey, these are verses where this Ashtoreth is called the Queen of Heaven. And Israel made a decision and a vow. And a vow to, to serve and to follow this Queen of Heaven and her prophets of Baal. And it's all right there explained in these Bible scriptures. It's not some minor little uh, uh, thing. It's major. The whole nation of Israel became converted and made a vow that they wanted to serve. And they basically told the prophets, when we were serving the Queen of Heaven, our financial world was working out. Things were going good. As soon as we quit serving the Queen of Heaven and started serving your Yahweh, Things have gone downhill. That's right in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. In Judges 2.13, it says, Israel forsakes the Lord and serves Baal and Ashtoreth. Also check Jeremiah 23.13-21. And Jeremiah 10.2. All these, like Marduk, these names are all connected to this whole incredible uh, evil thing. Now we know in First Chronicles one ten it says Nimrod became mighty on the earth. Most people have no idea just how mighty he became in his evil kind of way, and how that he um, is, you know, um, is still involved. He's still involved under other names because. That people like the queen of, of Ashtoreth, I mean, and, and Nimrod, some of these people are, they continue to keep living. They keep coming back. And that's what the Bible teaches. Now, that uh, scripture I was going to give you, um, you know, um, uh, is important. Um, Genesis 11.9. So it says in Genesis 11.9, Therefore, the name is called Babel, because the Lord did confound the languages. So before the name was called Babel, we're talking about Babel as it refers to Babylonian. Um, before the name was called Babel, it was called uh, Babalu. And Babalu means gate of God. 
And so that's Genesis 11, 9. So now you got the scripture for it. you got all these other scriptures. You've got a lot you can do uh, to read and to learn this stuff because it's all in the Bible. I'm not giving you foreign scriptures. I'm giving you the real thing. So this thing with, with Nimrod and Ashtoreth, well, how does that fit in today in the, the fullest sense of the word? Well, let's look at Jude. And let's look what it says in Jude. Because this just ties into it in a true and, uh, and very important way. And here's what it says. In Jude, verse 4, For there are certain men crept in unawares. That means people did not know that they had crept in. Who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now keep in mind, in the King James and several other Bibles, they, they use the word men or man to include females and ladies. But, you know, you do have that word, like you have the word woman, which is a female. And you have the word plural, women, which is about ladies, females. So when it says men, it includes women and, and singular woman. Okay. So verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old, before, prior, way back of old. They were ordained. Now, this, this is not a religious ordaining. This is a satanic ordaining to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a thing that has been going on since ancient time. It's a thing that is still going on to this day in which there are infiltrations. And these infiltrations are going on. And, and, and the queen of, you know, of Babylon, the rider of the beast, this is talking about a monetary system. And this is talking about the love of money is the root of all evil. And all of the nations of the world have been fornicated by their love of money, which is the root of all evil. And that's scripture. Ladies and gentlemen, this is so important. This ancient queen of heaven is still the ancient queen of Babylon. And Nimrod is still working his thing. And I'm hoping that we're going to get to reveal more of that to you. And this thing about Baal Herman and Baal Zebub, and and uh, and I shared with you last week about uh, a Baal uh, Zebul, uh, Lord of the High Places, and how that there's there's a connection there uh, to to Astaroth, Queen of Heaven, of the High Places, and but she is also the uh, and there's scripture for that, but uh, we'll just see if I can get to it. Where she's also uh, represented as the female sea dragon, one of the Leviathans. And uh, so these things are, 
are very, very important as we get into the Lord of the flies and, and the Lord, you know, of the high places, uh, because this starts connecting us to the Zams, to the, to the, to the angels, you know, on the evil side that fly, uh, uh, uh Zams, which are an evil kind of spacecraft, uh, not the Ziths of the Cherubim, the Seraphim, and, and the Shinons, which are the Artursians. And so it's very, very, very Bible is very, very important. And when Nimrod became mighty, uh, he was a mighty hunter, but he became another kind of mighty also. And, uh, and he established, you know, his kingdom uh, in the Tigris-Euphrates region, and and uh, he uh, he built this pyramid tower called a ziggurat, and uh, you know that it's all Bible and it's all actual, and and uh, he he was like a prince of demons, and it's nothing to be taken uh, taken lightly. There's there's a really deep truth here to it, and uh, we have to uh, begin to realize if we we don't get into these these revelations, uh, if we don't open up uh, the six sides of all these numbers and see uh, which way the revelation of them is going, if it's on the evil side or if it's on the spiritual side, uh, then, you know, uh, we're just on a dead street uh, as far as information goes. And and uh, there's there's no polarity or understanding uh, to to the number six 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 and and uh, to any of the other things connected with it, like the equilateral triangles and and uh, and that comprise the hexagon and 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 uh, the measure of the six hundred sixty six units and all of the meanings of that uh, as uh, they are converted from uh from singular numerals to uh to uh, uh units uh, that are um uh, complex and so these things are very very important now let's just stand back from this a little bit uh we may have to come back to it next week but i also want to uh, uh take the time to speak on this revelation about the chambers of the south because it does indirectly uh connect now, in 1 Kings 6, you just have to look and read in that particular area. It talks about the chambers of the house of the oracle. And and this uh, uh, is a very interesting revelation also talked about in Ezekiel, uh, in which um, this unusual kind of house of of uh, God, uh, it was built and is to be built, and and uh, it was almost pyramidal in its ascension, and um, and but but whenever we talk about this this term chambers, it generally refers to house, and uh, and uh, we um, look at Nehemiah ten thirty seven, the chambers of the house of the Lord. Um, we look at Kings uh, 6, 8, Chambers of the House of the Lord of the Oracle. Um, we look at John fourteen two, where it says, In my Father's house. So that we know this language of house is something very, very important. And in this particular case of John fourteen two, we find that this is a particular uh, physical location 
um, uh, definitely by the many scriptures, when you when you really boil them down, it's certainly not the heaven of heavens, and it's a physical place, you know. And um, uh, in Isaiah twenty six twenty, it says, "Come, my people, enter into my chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself as if it were a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed." Here again, we've got shelter, house, uh, chambers. Uh, all being connected to that idea, uh, you know. Uh, it talks in Matthew about, behold, he is in his secret chambers. And then when we start looking in um, to the extension of this Job 9.9, let's just look at Job 9.9, and let me read that, and um, just um, uh, find it very, very interesting as to what it is saying and what it means. And it says, um, let's start with um, verse 8. Um, oh, verse 7. Which commandeth the sun, and it rises not, and sealeth up the stars. Uh, verse 8. Which alone spreadeth out the heavens, and treadeth upon the waves of the seas. Verse 9. Which maketh Arturus, Orion, and the Pleiades, and the chambers of the south. Now, <clears throat> says, which doeth great things past finding out, and wonders without numbers. Lo, he goeth by me, I see him not. He passes on, but I perceive him not. There is this revelation of an experience of there being this invisible presence, but not being able to be seen. This invisible passing by you, but not being able to be perceived. And this all being part of the, of the mystery and the wonderment of these things of God and these revelations. Now, when we talk about the um, chambers of the South, and, and uh, we, we want to really look at that as to the meaning of it, um, you know, um, when we think of the polarity thing, like you've got the North Pole, and then there's a South Pole, that is usually something that happens like on a planet or, or a spherical, physical uh, uh, distribution uh, of the magnetic energies uh, polarized between the north and the south. But universally-wise, uh, there is no uh, similar equal kind of thing of that <coughs> kind of polarity. You know, like a North Pole and a South Pole. So what we have here that's so important is something different. So we've got to break down the words here to find out what exactly this is talking about. And, and uh, so when we, um, when we start uh, getting into this revelation, uh, and, and the, the term for, um, uh, for chamber, uh, you know, it can be found in Hebrew, Strong's Concordance, 8486. Okay? Now, we're going to discover that there are several other um, uses in the Bible of this um, 8486. Uh, but let's give, you, let's give you some important meanings of the word south. Okay, uh, 37.9 um, means um, whirlwind. And uh, so, so we've got uh, the use of this thing of the south. You know, in, in Job 37, 9, 
uh, and uh, and verse 17, uh, but especially in uh, in verse 9, uh, you know, uh, it means whirlwind. And uh, we've got, um, like in Isaiah 21, 1, uh, it means whirlwind. And then with the same number as 9, 9, which is 84, 86, in Zechariah 9, 14, it gives this thing about the south and it ties it in using the same meaning and the same number to the whirlwind. And that is also true, you know, of, of Zechariah 6, 6. The 84, 86 is there. In Psalm 78, 26, we got the 84, 86 in that scripture. In Job 39, 26, we got the 84, 86 in that scripture. So there is a, a predominance there uh, of, of um, this thing of the wind, uh, the whirlwind. Uh, in 2 Kings 2, um, uh, 1 and 11, 2 Kings 2, 1 and 11, Elijah is taken into heaven by a whirlwind. We know when we read the rest of it, it's, the, it's a chariot of God and the horsemen thereof, uh, which are angels. And, and so that we see that this whirlwind is just another way of describing the speed of this incredible um, uh, uh, moving and, 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 and acceleration of the, the ziths or the chariots of God. And um, the Bible says in Job 38, 1, uh, God answered Job out of the whirlwind. Um, we see that um, uh, all kinds of additional scriptures like uh, Job 46, uh, of the idea of the whirlwind. We see Psalms 58, 9, the idea of the whirlwind. Isaiah 5, 28, their wheels were like a whirlwind, speaking of the chariots. This idea of the whirlwind is very, very positive in connection to the south. Uh, Isaiah seventeen thirteen, like a rolling thing before the whirlwind. Um, Isaiah forty twenty four shall uh, shall take them away. Uh, this is connected to the whirlwind idea. Isaiah sixty six fifteen, chariots like a whirlwind. Jeremiah 4.13, chariots shall be like a whirlwind. Jeremiah 23.19, whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth. And there's other scriptures. You know, Isaiah 21.1, Zechariah 9.14, Isaiah 29.4, some of which I've already said. And so now we begin to see that when we look at the chambers of the south, now the chambers is representing a house, and the south is representing uh, this, this whirlwind. And this is ex incredibly uh, interesting. Uh, this is incredibly exciting because what we are looking about here and what we are can really uh, introduce this, you know, is house... of the flying or whirling ziths. Because in the Bible, we see that the ziths, the chariots of God, and I've given you the scriptures, are all tied into the meaning of this 
of whirlwind, which is tied into the meaning of south, because out of the south comes the whirlwind, the Bible says. And so now when we talk about this scripture here and the chambers of the south, it is literally referring to the Father's house from whence there are based and come ziths, which are these whirlwind chariots of God. That is exceptional. That is beautiful. The Bible says that the Lord will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. And we read about, in Psalms 18.10, about God rode on a cherub. We, we read in verse 10 also where he flies upon the wings, which we've later shown you in Scripture actually represent wheels, with the wheel, the idea of the turning and the churning of the whirlwind. Uh, Isaiah, uh, Psalms uh, 56, 6, fly away and be at rest. Uh, you know, the uh, Isaiah 6, 2, the flying cherubim. Uh, Revelations 14, 6, angels fly, preaching the everlasting gospel from the skies. Um, Revelations 18, 13, angels flying through the midst of the heavens, uh, uh, saying with a loud voice to the inhabitants of the earth, and um, and Isaiah 31, 5, as birds flying, the Lord will deliver Israel. On and on and on, it is verifying this thing. And we talked uh, last week in Zechariah about the flying roll, which was, again, connected with the whirlwind uh, effect. So that now, when we look at this revelation of the chambers of the south, we see it hidden there and needing to be magnified is this revelation. So when it describes the Arturus, the Orion, the Pleiades, and the chambers of the south, the message is all there. It, it is saying house of the whirlwind ziths. And just look at that again in Job 37, 9 and 17, it is there, people. It is exciting. It is exciting. You know, I want to get into a lot of very interesting things. Um, we want to talk about who some of these people are. We want to talk about who are these five fallen kings the Bible tells us about in Revelations and the two that are not yet fallen. Well, uh, I've quoted you before out of the book of Proverbs. And when you get to the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, there's an incredible thing that sort of like been hidden in the Word. In uh, uh, Psalms, uh, pardon me, um, Proverbs 6, verse 16, these six things does, does the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Then it starts naming them off, a proud look. So we, we can call these all these all seven uh, demons, seven special demons that are co-owned with Lucifer, Satan. A proud look, the demon of pride. A lying tongue, a lying demon. A hand that sheds innocent blood, a murdering demon. And we can look back and see that all of these kinds of things like that have been tried by demonic forces, but they have not surrendered, they have not destroyed they have not decimated uh, the plan of salvation. Uh, 
a heart that devises uh, wicked imaginations. And, and, and this is that, you know, the, the demon of delusion. And then um, we've got feet that, that are uh, uh, swift in running to mischief. To mischief. Uh, this is the, the um, you know, like uh, um, the, the, the Antichrist, or, the, or the, yeah, the, the Antichrist. So let's go back up here. A heart that devises wicked imaginations. Uh, we can call that delusion. But an even uh, more important word for it would be the demon of lust, because lust most of the time is a delusion. So we've got the demon of pride, the demon of lies, the demon of murder, the demon of lust, and the feet that be swift running to mischief. Uh, you know the Antichrist, uh, demon of the demon of the Antichrist spirit. And the Bible says even now there are many Antichrists. And and so we see the 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 effect of of that demon uh, creating the spirit of antichrist, and then uh, we've got um, a false witness that uh, that speaketh many lies, uh, the false prophet, and we've got number and and uh, that was number six. And uh, these are these are the two that have not yet have not yet uh, happened. We've got the first five. That I read to you. Let me repeat it: the 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 demon of pride, the lying demon, the murdering demon, the lust demon, the antichrist demon, and that that gives you that gives you five. Then we've got two left that are two kings that are going to have this one hour, and we showed that that one hour is a lot of years. It's like up in the forty thousands of years, and. Uh, Let's look at this. Um, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. We got the false prophet and the betrayer. You know, uh, uh, the the um, uh, the antichrist Judas, uh, son of, of of perdition. We we call it the son of perdition. So here we have. You know, uh, out of the Koun cherubims of Gabriel will one day be chosen who is to replace Lucifer. But just as even Gabriel can choose to loosen one of his Koun e uh, uh, angels, just as the father chose to release, as the Bible tells it, that, that Jesus came out from the Father. He was released from him to do this work on earth, uh, and he was co-owned with, with the Father. Um, so also, Lucifer can release these co-owned demons that he has, and these are just seven of the many legions that he has, but there are a particular uh, uh, number that are planned on as kings uh, as as part of the ten crowns, which does not include the three um, uh, uh, Trinity aspects, and later I want to get into to show how that Nimrod as the sun, uh, as Torith the queen, uh, you know, as as the familiar spirit, uh, you know, and and 
and and then Lucifer as the father. And and the Bible says, uh, you, you know, you're doing the works of your father, Satan. So we see that Lucifer, Satan, is called a father. And and, uh, and and Nimrod is is like the son. So you got the, you got the son, the father, and the spirit. It's the Holy Spirit on the good side. It's the familiar spirit on the evil side. And she is involved with this familiar spirit, and has affected even uh, uh, a great Egyptian queen, which we may be able to get into next week, and and show the connection. And we're going to show how that this son of perdition. Uh, Jesus said in John seventeen twelve, uh, "I've not lost none of the disciples, except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled." Now we discover in um, um, in some of the scriptures. I believe. Um, let me look here to see if I've got the right one marked down. Um, I think it's Psalms 41. But this, the, the, there is so much information I've got here. And I know we're doing a lot of scripture stuff, but this is how you're going to learn. You know, this, this is how that, that uh, you're going to be able to get on top of things. Now, here's what it says in Psalms 41, 9, because Jesus says uh, in uh, John 17, 12, uh, I lost none of you but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And here's the scripture in 41, uh, nine. it's one of the to be fulfilled. Yea, my own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread and lifted up his heel, uh, hath lifted up his heel against me. Um, so now we see there was one of the prophecies, there's a whole lot more uh, uh, in Psalms about prophesying about what Judas would do and what the son of petition would do and and uh and then in Philip's, uh, Philippians 128 talks about the 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 token of perdition is uh the spirit of being terrified second uh, Thessalonians 2 3 says the man to be revealed revealed before the coming of Christ that someone's got to be revealed and it says it'll be the person who is the son of perdition and then in first Timothy 6 9 through 10, it says, they, they that be rich fall into perdition, and love is the root of all evil. And that's that scripture I was telling you about earlier, that saying I was telling you about earlier. Hebrews 10.39, we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but unto them who, who uh, believe to the saving of our souls. Second Peter 3.7, but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word kept in store reserved uh, and, uh, unto the fire of judgment and perdition. Uh, 17, 8 and 11 of Revelations, Revelation 17, 8 and 11, the beast that was and is and is not, even he is of the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. Um, so this is so very, very important. Now, we've got to rush along here, but this then all actually goes back to the revelation of, of Matthew in chapter uh, 13, where he talks about the tares that were created, that were that were made, and 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 that were that were put out. Now, one of the things that's very very interesting, when you connect this uh, uh, Matthew thirteen with the scripture I read to you out of Jude, uh, you know, of those that were uh, ordained, 
you know, and and they they were, uh, you know, let's read it again because I'll tell you what, it just so connects with what I'm going to say here that I don't want you to to miss it because it's a lot to remember what I'm telling you. Okay, Jude 4. There, for there are certain men crept in unawares. People didn't know what was going on. They still don't know who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men, turning the grace of our Lord God to lasciviousness, denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So what the Bible is saying is that these people that lived before, they're they're living again. They're gonna they're gonna pop up different times through the histories of the of the of the world of the earth. Uh, they're gonna be active because you know they are living uh, uh, ungodly persons, and this includes. Uh, 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 Nimrod. This includes uh, Astoreth, his wife. Uh, these people are going to keep coming back. They're going to keep uh, being involved in this uh, monetary system of Babylon. But one day there will be a, a turning. Uh, this beast which comes out of the sea and, and he's, you know, uh, represents the waters uh, uh, which represent the people. Uh, people have a way one day of turning and you can't can't trust the mortals. You can't trust people. You never know. You know the Bible says that that uh, uh, that the stars are unclean in the sight of God. That's because you know of the scripture, like that Jesus says, He will take no testimony from man. You can't ever depend on man. One time they'll be for you, next time they'll be against you. One time they'll believe, the next time they won't believe. And so one time they're with this. This uh, 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 whore, this queen of Babylon, and and uh, they're they're allowing her to be the queen, and, and 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 they're buying her goods, they're doing all these things, and then one day uh, they decide that they don't want her anymore, that they hate her, and and they turn against her, and they poison her, and and the whole story is in the book of of the of, of the. Peace Manifest uh, Revelation, Book of Revelations, which one of these days, God willing, uh, you're going to be able to get uh, uh, if God helps us to to finance uh, the need that we have uh, when we start in uh, January, February, and March to to get you know the, some of these books done and get them out to you because you will want to have them. You'll want to be able to read them. And I've given you these scriptures on the son of perdition. I'm just scratching on it because we're, we're racing. But, but we see that in Matthew 13, there were these tares. And you need to read that and read it over again. But if you look at the, at the meaning of, of the word tear, and one of the things that it says is false grain. So the grain, which represents the harvest, okay, and the good grain, you also have in the same field that's been sown unawares people that the Bible says in Jude, they're ordained, they have come back. They're in bodies. They're in spirits. And they come back and, and it says they're false grain. People look at them and they see them as grain and they don't recognize them as tares. They don't recognize them as ordained evil persons that are from old, that have lived from way in the past and are have one thing in mind, and that is to undermine the gospel and the salvation of Jesus Christ. 
and this son of perdition, which is Judas, he's part of that whole thing, and he was predicted from from the 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 book of Psalms and other books uh, to to be that son of perdition, and the Bible and Jesus said the scripture had to be fulfilled. He says, "I've lost none." This is seven, John seventeen twelve. None of the of of the disciples except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And this thing with the familiar spirit, you know. First uh, Samuel twenty eight seven, the witch of Endor, E N D O R, she was a, had a familiar spirit. Isaiah talks about. In Isaiah 29.4, the familiar spirit and the whispers of Satan, which I've done teachings on. And there are people that they don't have that evil spirit. Um, them, they, are, they are not that evil spirit themselves, but they are connected with and taking information from persons or, or spirits that are familiar spirits. And we may get an opportunity to tell how that there was a, a great queen of Egypt and how that she had a, a familiar spirit. So there's a lot to teach. And these false grain that is out there is not only physical, materialized as persons, but it's involved genetically in the genome. And so there's always a, a possibility for a cosmocrator type to rise, which were ordained of old. And we know, and we've shown you that there are code words in the Bible. And code words that mean to utter or change, or can mean both. The one is to utter is the side that is of the good tree. The one to change is the side of the evil part of the tree of knowledge. And in the code revelation Number 8132, 8133, we see the altering, the diverse of this code word. And there are other terms that are connected with that, which we don't have time to get too much into the meaning. But it's in this very code we have the alter, alter, uh, alternate, the change, the, the, the diverse of 81.32 and 81.33 uh, Strong's Concordance Hebrew. But on the other part of it, the, you know, for the word to utter, 81.36, we have the revelation of the Shinon, which are, is the only time, like in 
chapter 68 of Psalms, where it reveals this, these over 20,000 angels that were in, flying in these cysts that hovered above Mount Sinai when, when Moses was communicating with Yahweh, or Yahweh, and when uh, he was receiving uh, the revelation of the commandments. It's all connected, folks. It's all connected. It's absolutely incredible. It's all absolutely incredible. Well, there's so much more. You know, we know there is a God accounted type of genealogy. I'm bringing this to a close. Chronicles 23.11 talks about counting as a family unit. Chronicles 23.24 talks about counting by a number of names. Chronicles 21.5-6 tells about some people not counted at all in the polls. Or not reckoned. But there is a God-accounted genealogy, Psalms 22:30. A seed shall serve him, and it shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. So there we have it, the division between the positive and the negative, the tree of good and the tree of evil. Pray for us. We're working so hard to try to get all this message to you. There's so much. It needs to be in a book because in the books that you can sit down and study and take your time and learn. And we're going to try to get more of this out to you. This coming end of January, February, March, we're going to try to get something done. Pray for the finances, folks, because we're, we're going to need. And I want to think there's been a few people that have given, you know, one person sent in 60, another person sent in $50. And there's others that are saying that they want to participate. We need something to happen between now and the end of the month, the end of the year. We love you. Remember our infusion. The Lord said, I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. God bless you. We love you. Goodbye till next time. Thank you.